0: I'm Satya Nelms, and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. Today, we are in the garden with Dominique. Dominique is a teacher, performer, and yogi whose work is rooted in her belief that art is a tool for liberation in life. Born and raised on Chicago's South Side, she now calls New York City home. Dominique has created and organized art and wellness events from Free Kids Summer Art Day Camp to Anger Processing Workshops. Their biggest claim to fame is a golden ticket on American Idol season 10 and a few viral videos on TikTok as the Unbound Blossom. They are currently performing with a soul funk band off center, writing a collection of Afrofuturist stories and teaching art and yoga all over the city. So when you hear the word mother, what comes to mind? What do you think of what are your associations with that word?
1: um so unfairly i just um watched turning red today the movie and it's about a very overprotective mother and i had a i have a very overprotective mother so unfairly the (laughs) first word that comes to mind is overprotective um but when i think of the word mother i automatically think of my mother and my grandmother uh, my maternal grandmother and they are Um, they always give me space to be emotionally expressive. Um, So I think support and um, kindness, creativity, Mm -hmm. um, resilience for sure. And um, flexibility, malleability just the ability to change and grow, which I don't think is every mom I've met, but definitely I'm surprised how when children change, how mothers will um, how children can uh, sometimes be a catalyst for Mm. change. I don't want to say evolution. I don't want to think of it that way, but just um, expanding. Mm. Like, right. So I just feel like I've seen the mothers of my life and the mothers around me expand to um, include the perspectives that their children bring to them. Mm. And I think that's, to me, it's, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: What what did you know about, because you brought up your mother and your grandmother, what did you know about them as people when you were growing up?
1: Mm. Well, my mother has very little memory of her childhood, which is annoying because I was a question-asking <laughs> child. So I want to know everybody's story. So I actually knew more about my grandmother than my mother because my mother um, my mother grew up in the projects on the South Side.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she went to college and then she dropped out of college to get a full-time job with benefits that she eventually um Uh, retired from Mm
2: -hmm.
1: my grandmother on the other hand I knew that she was born in Louisiana Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I knew that she and I say Louisiana instead of Louisiana because that's how she's always said it Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I knew she grew up in a sharecropping family and I knew that her mother passed away when she was 12 Mm
2: -hmm.
1: really violently I mean like struck by lightning what yeah yeah, my great grandmother Coretta, bless her soul, um, was she was taking down laundry from the from the um, the line,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a uh, lightning struck the wire.
2: Oh my god! And my grandmother
1: says she came home to the backyard and she saw a man flying across the back yard just like off his feet being thrown across because so much electricity was going through my great-grandmother's body Mm. that he had rubber boots and a wooden stick and was trying to get the wire out of her hands and when he touched her and the wire the electricity sent him across the yard that's when my grandmother showed up so that's her that's Mm -hmm. her memory of that event So my grandmother was very much a motherless child for, um, you know, her teen years. She got married really young and then had her kids. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And um, I think she kind of created a blank slate, Mm -hmm. which when it comes to black folks and trauma was probably beneficial Mm. for my family Mm -hmm. because she didn't try to do things like her mother she didn't my my mother didn't grow up hearing stories about other than a couple of stories she didn't hear stories about her like my grandmother's family
2: Mm -hmm. at all
1: I was the one who found out because I was always asking questions Mm
2: -hmm. what was
1: it like when you were a little girl what was your mother like what was her name my mother couldn't even remember the name of her grandmother Mm. I'm the one who brought it back to like the front, the forefront of family memory, because I was the one asking my grandmother mm-hmm. the names of all her aunts and uncles and things like that.
2: Mm.
1: But, um, but I, I've been thinking a lot about this over the pandemic because I've been doing a lot of family tree work, a lot of ancestral work. And my, my grandmother gave us our base for our family is, on um, is my grandmother. hmm um and that blank slate that she built off of she got rid of a lot of the violence mm. she believed that like hitting someone in the face was hitting their identity so you know mm. the idea of casually smacking children was out of the question the idea of what discipline was was a lot more restorative to her she cared very much about education and she was raised by her brother who was I really say she kind of had like a Cinderella kind of life. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: He took her in because of the insurance payment. That's my cousin. It's also her grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, cousin. (laughs) (laughs) She said hi. Um, But he took her in because of the insurance payment, her and her two younger brothers, and made her take care of his children. Mm. And she basically, he didn't let her go to school. She had to sneak out at night to go to school and to get her GED.
2: And then she got
1: married partially to get out of his house. Mm. And then, so all of her children would sit and read books. We pass around books in my family. I remember I would go over to my grandmother's house and she'd have like stack of books and be like, Oh, I was think I was reading this book and I thought of you. And, mm-hmm. you know, we would read a lot of C.S. Lewis and we, I would call her and we'd discuss books mm. and the same with my mother my mother and I, we had like, you know a bookshelf of all my mother's old books and all mm-hmm. her favorites and stuff like that and so that blank slate kind of created space for um I think there's like you know a there's a little less trauma that was passed down now there's still genetic stuff going on I'm sure but there's a little less of like that in the systems of how like our shared family memory becomes. yeah And my grandmother really did that. She was the one who, out of what she had, decided that she wanted to make something new. Mm. And I admire her for that. And I just think of my mother as like a beneficiary of that who passed it on to me because my mother was like the creative arts and crafts person. We did crafts all the time. I remember like, because of my mother, I love a theme. Like, if if a holiday was coming, we would make a basket or a bag, or we would make, I remember we made sweet bread on uh, Easter, and it was braided bread, and we'd make a bunny, mm-hmm. like everything had to be on thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so, and my mother was that person, we didn't have a lot of money, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, my mother, we we struggled, and my mother didn't, overprotective, mm-hmm. as my mother was, didn't like us being outside, she didn't like me being outside. She drove me to school every day, and I lived three blocks away from my school
2: because
1: wow. she didn't like the idea of me walking by myself in our neighborhood.
2: Mm.
1: So we had picnics, but we had indoor picnics, and she would move the coffee table in the living room, set out this blanket, and pull out puzzles and games, and we'd make sandwiches and have chips and just talk and play, and I'm an only child, so we really, like, that was... But like the fact that I was entertained and engaged, that Mm -hmm. says something for a woman who was working as much as she was,
2: Mm. that
1: she wasn't just like, oh, I'm too tired for this. She really invested in making sure that I had a really great childhood. I tell people all the time, I love working with children because I feel like I had such a wonderful childhood Mm. that I owe it to children, to ensure that they have a wonderful childhood mm. and that I contribute to their childhoods. Because when I think about my childhood, I was safe. I was loved. It was never questioned.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had, like, there was creativity. I was supported. I tell people all the time, my mother and I are two, such different people,
2: mm-hmm. but she's
1: my friend mm. in that even if she doesn't understand it, She'll support it. <laughs> She'll be like, I don't understand why you want this job, but sure. I don't understand why you want to move to that city, but okay, let's get the car, you know, my mother. And that's, and I think that's the most, you. that's the, the best version, right? It's mm-hmm. easy to support people when you feel the same way,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: when you don't get it and you still support them a hundred percent, you still have their back. I feel like that says something that's love. really wonderful about you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's love
1: yeah when and so i
0: I've... yeah when I talk to my my kids about like the relationships and friendships that they're in, I ask them, I'm like, Do you feel free? Do you feel supported? Mm-hmm. do you feel free because that's love,
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: if you can be inside of something and like you said, feel supported and know that even if she doesn't get it, mm-hmm. she's still right there with you that's yeah.
1: love. And she sacrificed a lot of herself. The one thing I will say is I know that she sacrificed a lot to ensure that she was that for me. She didn't date because she was Mm -hmm. so afraid of bringing someone in the house that would be unsafe for me. She had this fear, I think, of wanting a partner so bad that she neglected me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So she like, I think, she couldn't figure out that balance. And also we were struggling financially. She, you know, she was working all the time, but I think because she couldn't quite figure that balance, she just put that on the side.
2: Mm-hmm. She didn't
1: start dating until I went away to college.
2: Mm.
1: Wow. You know, so my parents split up when I was, they got officially divorced when I was like 13.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my mother didn't start dating until I was in my twenties. Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you've talked a lot about what your grandmother and your mother gave you that allowed you to flourish and grow, you know, and become, you know, who the person that you've become and are becoming now. Were there things that didn't feel aligned with what you needed? Things that you, you know, looking back on, wish had been done differently?
1: Oh yeah, no, for sure. I definitely think um, my disciplining style is not the same as my mother's. There's a certain amount of respectability that I don't believe in that I feel they really felt needed to happen. If you ask my grandmother what the most important thing for her children was, she would say, God and an education. Mm. If you ask my mother, she would say, God and stability. Mm. And if you ask me, I would say that it's freedom and knowledge of self, mm. right? And so we come from different places. Like I don't care if people have an issue with the way I talk. I don't have, I don't care. Like when I first started growing out, my my hair was was relaxed from when I was really little.
2: Mm-hmm. When I
1: first started growing out my hair in New York City, where everyone was wearing their hair natural. And I was, you know, an, a full-time artist at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. My
1: mother was like, well, what happens if you need to get a job and they don't hire you? And I was like, that's not how that happens anymore. And if it does, then I don't need to work there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, but she was so frightened that mm-hmm. me wearing my hair natural would lose me that stability mm. and therefore respectability was the more important thing mm. you know with my grandmother her version of faith is different from mine mm-hmm. and it I feel kind of sad because I think she's been the one who's always seen she, she was the one when I was little would be like you're so spiritually aware
2: mm-hmm. you're
1: so like she you know she had like faith and my my intuitive, spiritual gift.
2: Mm.
1: And, but she is, you know, she is a, you know, Black church lady.
2: Mm. If
1: I were to talk to her about, you know... Like if I like I when I first started doing ancestor work, I felt her mother come to me. I felt my great grandmother come to me Mm -hmm. and give me love on behalf of my grandmother. Just just saying, I love my I love my daughter so much that I'm gonna love you as my great grandchild, right? Mm -hmm. Like I genuinely felt like it was the familial love that she had for my grandmother that Mm -hmm. she also that I got to feel. I can't say that to my grandma. Mm. she's 87 years old she's the mother of a church if i go and say your mother came to me she's gonna be like that ain't done with the devil," you know because that's what <laughs> we but because we've been we've been conditioned away mm-hmm. from communing with our ancestors from even honoring our ancestors in any way outside of maybe saying their names or putting up a picture
2: mm-hmm. and even
1: that can't be an altar Mm. Even that, you know, you light too many candles. Suddenly, you you know now you're doing spills, mm-hmm. you doing spells. You bringing it. In, you don't know what spirit you bringing it. Like, you know, right. so there's some of that. And then, you know, as I said before, the overprotectiveness. My my mother is so was so overprotective. It I had to like pry her hands off of my life.
2: Mm. I
1: moved to New York in my early twenties and I had student loans that she co-signed for and she put them in her account and she paid out my student loans to me. So I had to call my mother to ask permission to get a her to transfer a certain amount of money to me for my student loans. So if I needed to, right, so if I needed to, you know, grocery money or whatever. So I ended up getting a job Mm -hmm. because she wouldn't give me the money So, I was working while I was in school, even though I had taken out loans for school and I had taken out enough money to have spending money. And she was like, We got to stretch this. We got to stretch this. We got to, you know, make it last. And I slept on an air mattress for a year.
2: Uh. And then
1: one day I said, All my roommates had gotten beds. And I was like, Hey, Ma, you know, there's like a sale on beds at this furniture store up the street. It's like $350 for a bed. Um, can you just send me three three fifty from my loan money so I can get a bed? It was literally just a mattress and a box spring. I mm. mean, uh, a mattress, a box spring, and a you know what I mean. The, like a platform. The thing, yeah, mm-hmm. the platform. Right. And she refused. She said, "You need to like you need to like just stay on that air mattress a little bit longer. You don't need to spend that money right now." And I said, I'm working a full time job. I'm paying my own rent. I'm doing all like I'm paying all my bills. I'm not you're not funding any of this. I am literally living in a full adult life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I and that money is mine mm-hmm. that I ha- And I had graduated school at this point. Mm. And I was like and I didn't use it for school. It's literally leftover money. That's per- that's perfect for helping me kind of set up, set myself up. And I had to call my grandmother wow. and complain, and she was the one who like got my mother on the phone and said, "Why you got my baby sleeping on the floor?" Mm. She slept on the floor for a year, and you still won't give her money but mm. my in my mother's mind, she was saving it for an emergency, mm. right She
2: mm-hmm. was
1: holding tight to it, and that's where we get back to those like you know earlier we were talking about. The productivity mindset, mm-hmm. the way that we spend money, the way that we value time. my mother was in a generation where the idea was you work and then you retire and then you get to enjoy your money right. and we were never a part of that generation. That was never something that was going to be available to the majority of us,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: also. Like we want to enjoy what we have. Right. I just want to sleep in a bed, mind right. you. I'm not being unreasonable. Right. You know. <laughs> right. I feel like I'm defending why I wanted a bed, but I just you don't a have bed. to do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I slept on. <laughs> I slept on an air mattress for a year without complaint.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I decided, and it was only because other people were getting beds, and I was like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> That's a thing I could be doing right now. Right. Slept on a bed my whole life. It's not even like, you know, like, you never, like, what? No. Right. <laughs> not like, pay, pay my own bills, you know? It's not even like, oh, I'm supporting you and everything. You can figure out that. No, none of that. Mm. So, so when I, when I think of like stuff like that, my mother's like, my mother's like not relinquishing control of my life to me Mm -hmm. because she felt like she needed to protect me from myself, from bad judgment, like save up for emergencies. That whole idea and ideal took a long time for us to get past, Mm. a long time for us to get past. I was probably closer to 30 when my mother started just letting me live my own life. Mm. I still got a credit card bill that goes to her house, and she still texts me every month. Here is the thing: the, the good thing is, she used to be like, "You make sure you pay this bill." Now she's like, "Oh, here is a picture of the of the thing, just so you know." And if it's that's progress, she don't she don't say nothing about it no more. But that's she used gross. to. She used to be like, "I just got the bill. Like I don't get the bill too." Right. Like, <laughs> that's funny. So it sounds,
0: you know, it sounds like a lot of that overprotectiveness as you've described it comes from this place of of fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How did you manage to grow into a full adult human without being fearful? How did how did that fear not end up being transmitted to you?
1: Um well, one, my mother and I are not the same person.
0: Mm.
1: Um, if There was a time when you would ask my mother, I, well, I would ask my mother if she could go anywhere in the world, where would she go? And she'd be like, I don't know. And I'd be like, what about Europe? And she's like, oh, I don't know about that. Mm. Like, it, like the world was scary to her. But this is the same person who sent me to Spain when I was 16. So, you know what I mean? Right. So I was a different person than her. Mm-hmm. But when around that time, right, when I was adjusting to living um, 900 miles away from her mm-hmm. on my own, paying my bills and really just trying to balance, kind of get her hands off of my life, I told her I, I would call her and everything would turn into an emergency or a panic or whatever, no matter what I was talking about. And I diagnosed it at the time with church language. So I said, you have the spirit of worry. And I cannot let you put that on me. Mm. And so I made a conscious decision to stop bringing my trials and tribulations to my mother during Mm -hmm. that time period in my life. I would go to my grandmother. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I would go to my peers, but I would not go to her about it until it was solved.
2: Mm. And
1: then I'd tell her about it after it was solved. Mm-hmm. And I told her that was happening. I said, I'm not going to tell you when I'm, when stuff is hard. I'm not going to tell you when I'm worried about something because you have a spirit of worry and I I can't let you put that on me. Mm. You know, nowadays we just say she had anxiety <laughs> or she's okay. triggering my anxiety, my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know where it comes from. It. It's all about stability, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about being stable. It's all about knowing that I am going to be Okay. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started teaching full time that my mother even, I could see her breathe a sigh of relief when she Mm -hmm. saw me get like a salary job for the first time. There was seriously, there was this thing Mm
2: -hmm. where she
1: was like, okay, all right, Mm -hmm. you know, but up until that point, if I left, you know, if I was working a show and I like took a day off, she'd be like, do you have a fever though? Were you bleeding? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, right. it was very it was very much like I would get shamed for leaving work. Don't take too much don't take too much time off. You need to save that for when you like really sick.
2: Mm-hmm. Like that
1: type of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. You know.
1: But you know, we're not the same person. And I could and I am I also have emotionally I'm a different person and that I brag. <laughs> my my point of pride is I can cry and get stuff done. I and I, I think it's wonderful that. My body refuses to hold in emotions, which is not always convenient, but I'm constantly processing my emotions in the moment. And that forces me to be super reasonable
2: mm-hmm.
1: in how I approach things mentally. So I'm I could be sobbing and like, listen, and I and I will explain my emotions to people. I am, you know, I'm really hurt by this right now. This is really upsetting to me, but we can still talk about this right now. Just know that I'm probably going to cry a little bit because this is hurtful, but let's get through this and let's figure this out. Mm. And I will be sobbing while we find a reasonable solution, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, Mm -hmm. or while we make a plan for the next step. Mm -hmm. And I can do that in a way that my mother, my mother could not. If she's, if she's emotional, then she's gone. Mm. And so she has to shut it down. I don't have to do that. And we're different people. I think I value that in her because her ability to be pragmatic is something that I do admire because, like I said, she, she, the way she saved for her retirement, the way she planned things out. Listen, she's living her best life right now. She's going, she's going on a vacation out of the country. Listen, this the woman who didn't want to go nowhere. <laughs> Is going is going to London, Paris, Amsterdam. Listen, I mean, hopefully, you know, the, hopefully the way of the world keeps her safe. But she's but like we were in we were in Mexico in October, and she was like, "You want to spend a Christmas here? Let's. We should do Christmas here another time at this resort." And I was like, oh, "Okay, right." And this is the like this is the woman who was like, mm, and. She was like, I guess I'd go to Las Vegas. I've never been there. She's been to Vegas twice now. Go ahead. Every time I call her, she has a, she's on a, a um, her and a bunch of other retiree women have their own like line dancing crew. They she does line dancing classes and they have a line dancing crew. They go to parties. And I don't mean like country line dancing.
2: Mm. I mean
1: like, you know, Black folk cookout line dancing. Mm. Like that type mm. of line dancing. Mm-hmm. She comes to visit me in New York. They have a chapter out here. And she gets on the train to take the bus to go. She knows New York just as good as it. Listen, my mother. Look at her. Living. Living. She is not the same person. I could tell her stuff now. Mm. That same worry doesn't hover over her the same way. And sometimes I do have to shut her down still. Mm -hmm. Cause she's my mama, Mm -hmm. but she takes it better.
0: So where, where do you think the worry went and how did she come to this place where, like you said, now you can tell her stuff?
1: yeah um, or how did you
0: guys how did you collectively get to this place
1: honestly i think the proof was in the pudding that was literally i moved out here 18 years ago
0: mm-hmm.
1: if she is still worrying about me the same way 18 years later then we have a real problem and she has no trust in me
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know my mother was always the i don't, i trust you i don't trust everybody else right mm-hmm. and She also has come out here and visited me and been out here and seen the way I move. Like, she and my grandmother came out a couple of times before my grandmother was um, not really able to travel the same. And my grandmother said, she just moving through this city like she knows what she's doing, right? Like, seeing me in this element, Mm -hmm. comfortable and an adult, was Mm -hmm. really, you know, because, I mean, I was coming of age almost a 1,000 miles away from them, 900 miles away from them, right? Right. So they didn't see the maturity. They remembered the high schooler, you know, (laughs) that was overprotected and didn't get to go anywhere and couldn't sleep over at friends' houses. I could sleep over my cousin's houses, but not my friend's houses because my mama don't trust them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was Mm -hmm. her thing. I don't know them. I don't know their parents. Mm -hmm. It was very that. So from the super overprotected, I don't think they thought I knew enough about the world or I was street smart enough, even though I grew up on the South side of Chicago, but they just right. felt like she doesn't know anything. She's going to fall apart. We got to be ready for an emergency. Mm. And I think they thought I was smart enough to figure out the basics, but they really thought that like, if if an emergency hit, I wouldn't be able to, to deal with it. Mm. Particularly my mother. My grandmother had more faith in me. Mm. Um, but also grandmas, I think get to do that with their grandkids in a way they don't get to do with their kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I give my mother her due. I'm her only child. <laughs> she doesn't have any spares out there, you know? So, you know, she can't she can't be losing me.
0: Right, right.
1: I love that you said, you
0: know, now she is living. And I wonder what, what have you learned from her, either from what she has directly tried to impart to you and then just from observing her? What have you learned about caring for yourself and nurturing yourself and mothering yourself from your mother?
1: Yeah, my mother has self-care days now. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I'd love to take some credit for it because once again, I think, I think once my mother's like saw it was possible, not just in me, but in my cousins, all her, all the kids that she was around going outside because she and all of her siblings stayed in the same city as their mother. When my grandmother moved to the suburbs, the whole family moved to the suburbs. They stayed in the same area.
2: Mm-hmm. They didn't, you
1: know what I mean? And then the rest of us were like moving out, going other places.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was the
1: first one to move out of the city mm-hmm. um, and move up, like far to a whole nother part of the country. And, um, so, but, um, my mother now, I think, I think me doing what I did forced her to expand some of her ideas,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but ultimately I think once she retired and she started getting better, cause she had asthma, she mm-hmm. was, you know, um, she was really, she really had a, a hard time when I was in high school was when she got adult onset asthma Mm -hmm. and she had when I was in middle school she had a slipped disc in her back so Mm. she had just been out of commission out of commission she started cutting the medication she had in half because she's like I don't want to be on medicine my whole life I'm so she would cut it and take a smaller dosage she would just she changed the way she she ate she got into like this this um this program about like kind of healthy, joyful eating where it wasn't about not eating food that you like, but really just like paying attention to, you know, how much you're eating at a certain time and, you know, stuff like that. And while I'm not a fan of diet culture, I do think that just thinking consciously about her long-term health Mm -hmm. refocused her and she got her body back. Like Mm. she would tell you it was God, but I think, it was spirit and something else it was spirit and her own determination
2: mm-hmm. to be
1: a healthier person she would go walks and she would go for walks on a track with her with some of her retiree friends she joined the dance classes and she when she used to have to use a breathing machine mm-hmm. 3 times a day mm. she doesn't use one at all now that's amazing she used to have to take all sorts of meds and steroids for her back she doesn't take any of those now mm. and she you know we're con she and i are constantly talking about the things we are doing to make sure that we are healthy into our older years right mm-hmm. and she takes time she she has tea she will like mm, i'm gonna have tea today she gets so excited about it too i like i bought her this really like i got her this like antique tea cup and um, last time I went to London, I got her like this hundred-year-old silver spoon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I have, you know, she has a kettle, and she's like, I set myself up for tea, and I listen to my, you know, I listen to some gospel music in the morning. And she takes baths. Okay. I'm telling you, when my when my father passed away, my mother, no, my father, no, my father was sick in the hospital. I came home to see him, and my mother had bath salts bath bombs she had a bath set up for me and she was like you need to take care of yourself and i was like who is this person what is happening but that's what she does for herself now She, I mean, like, you know, I think the the self-care craze, we kind of criticize it because it focuses on a single type of Mm self-care. But for someone like my mother, who was very old school in her idea of you work, you sleep, you get up, wash, rinse, and repeat. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Being told that taking a long bath is a good idea was something she needed to hear.
2: Yeah,
1: Because that woman, like... She is a spa. She has spa days. She gives herself spa days. She's like, I do a facial, and I do this, and like, and has natural hair, and does it all on her own, too. Listen, listen. This same woman who used to tell me that she was not going to pay for any of my non-gospel music, my secular music, also, listen. This is also the person who bought me tickets to go see Maxwell and Joe Scott. This is also a person who bought me tickets. Like, seriously. Me and this woman have gone to concerts. She knows more she knows more R&B songs than I do now. <laughs> I go to her dance class because her line dance class, We're like, ooh, this is some Luther. She has a t-shirt with Luther Vandross on it. When he was alive, she wasn't listening to Luther. Listen. <laughs> Listen. Just allowing herself to expand and seeing the, seeing the world differently, um, and I don't I can't tell you exactly what it was, but I think this is the person that she's always been, um, but she never had time to be. Hmm. So it was easy to stay in the routine
2: mm-hmm.
1: of church and work church and work when it was a struggle right because mm-hmm. those I think there was something satisfying to her mind
2: mm-hmm.
1: to feel like I'm going to work as hard as I can to pay the bills and to survive and then turn the rest over to Jesus that I think that's I think that was the survival mode right that mm-hmm. was staying above water mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason that I'm so different from her in my thinking is because she gave me such stability. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could be this person if I didn't, if I ever had to worry about mm-hmm. things the the way that she did.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. this is a person who lived in the projects and was like, I'm never going back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I li- I've, I've, I've only ever lived in a house my life, my mm-hmm. whole life. Mm-hmm. We struggled to keep it. But I also, the danger in... Oh, my neighborhood was, I mean, gunshots were something I heard. But but um, but ultimately, I never felt unsafe because I had this overprotective mother. She shielded me from a lot of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I had a good childhood. I felt like I had games and toys. And I didn't know if I didn't have something, I didn't realize mm. that, you know, I was without it. I remember one time our toilet broke
2: mm-hmm.
1: and my mother couldn't afford a, um, she couldn't afford a plumber. I watched my mother, I sat outside the bathroom and watched my mother tinker with this toilet for something like 10 hours, up and down from the basement to the toilet, toilet to the basement, until the toilet was fixed. And I just remember thinking, oh, my mother can fix anything, she can do anything. Mm -hmm. We'd be driving and My mother would be like, oh, I don't know where I'm going. And I'm getting anxious. Like, We don't know where we're going. And she'd be like, don't worry. I can always get us home. She was like, we may not make it to the party. We may not make it to the event, but I will always get us home. You don't ever have to worry about not being able to get home. No matter how lost I am, I know how to get us home. Mm -hmm. And that kind of certainty
2: Mm -hmm. that,
1: you know, that came from her life being dedicated to just surviving and faith, surviving and faith was um gave me room to not even have to worry about that stuff you know Mm -hmm. so I got to sit and imagine I got to look at maps and go "Ooh, I'm gonna go here I got to you know I was the first one to sit with a teacup and watch PBS and be like oh I'm fancy (laughs) like you know like right I would be watching you know i would be watching all those like masterpiece theater movies when I was like little and sipping tea and reading my mother's old books and stuff, feeling like I want to be really educated and fancy and travel a lot. Like <laughs> she didn't have space for that. She didn't have room for that. Mm. You know, that that's an that's an expense. Mm-hmm. Nobody's thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I was talking to her today because I was telling her what my new career goal is. I was telling her my goals and she said, you know, I don't think I ever sat. And thought about what my career goal was. I just thought about working and putting into my retirement. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I would, like, I have this, like, I have, like, I really want to, like, yes, I mean, I want to, I want to mm-hmm. work, but I have a pay scale that I want to be met. And I also, because I know my worth. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, maybe don't ask for too much. I was like, why shouldn't I? My resume fits it. Right. And I, and the people I'm asking have it. I'm not going to poor people saying, hey, give me all your money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and creatively, I have these goals and I have a clear point of view as to what I want to do. So now I'm just putting together the work I need to put into it to get to that place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she was like, I just never thought about working that way. Because mm. that wasn't what she had
2: space for. Right. They mm. had me at 25. If
1: mm-hmm. I had a kid at twenty five, I wouldn't be thinking like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not if I had had like not if I had a different mother. If I had a different setup. If I had to do it by myself, and maybe I would have
2: because mm-hmm. we are
1: different people. But truly and honestly, I had a grandmother who was stable, who was loving and kind, and retired at an early age. And then I had my mother who was mm-hmm. you know was never with a, had her job my whole life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She didn't change jobs. We never, never, we never had a moment where she was unemployed. And when we struggled, the bill still got paid. So I, who was I to notice?
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I
1: mean? So I had the she, like. I always tell her, her roots gave me wings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. I was deeply rooted. I had no reason to need to to dig d- deeper into the soil. I could just start spreading my wings and stretching and looking up. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother and that clean slate that she gave us, and I say clean slate, but really she just, she forged new ground for our family, partially because she had to, but also because I think she was just determined to have something better than what she had. She grew up sharecropping, you know, Mm -hmm. she started picking cotton when she was three. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: She didn't want that for her kids. So education was the way out, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know? My mother wanted stability for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I want my children, the ones who can't, who, who I raise and the ones who I influence, to feel rooted in my love for them so that they can spread their wings. Because that's what I want for them. For mm-hmm. them to feel like they can go anywhere. I was just thinking about the poem, um, Hey, Black Child. Because mm-hmm. um, I grew up with it. Black Child. Because Hey, Black Child is... Um, it says, hey, Black child, do you know who you are, who you really are? Do you know you can be what you want to be if you try to be what you can be? And I always say, but who teaches those kids who they really are mm-hmm. and what they can be, right? We're t- we're saying this to the, to the children, but it's the people who are asking that question are the ones who definitely are the ones who have to enforce, you know, like build, I don't wanna say enforce, but who have to build that knowledge of self, mm-hmm. who have to build that foundation, who mm-hmm. have to be those examples and so I learned that poem when I was five years old because I mm-hmm. grew up on the south side of Chicago, all black neighborhood, all black school. They were very Afrocentric. It was the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> everybody was on some De La Soul arrested development, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, everybody, dashiki, fist up high. Mm-hmm. Hi, King, hi, King. I, I tell people I grew up, <laughs> exactly. I tell people I grew up, Um, on leftover Black Panther programs. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So the people who were raising me, who were teaching me, were all people who had been a part of free food programs, free after-school programs. And so they were paying it forward by doing these, you know, by teaching us these poems and really teaching us to love our Blackness. But in the midst of that, there is... We also have a responsibility to expand the horizons of our children, Uh you know, while I learned, oh, we come from a beautiful people, I didn't know my great-grandmother's name, you know, Uh while I knew that, while I learned, uh, you know, the South African national anthem, I couldn't name... Other countries, or I hadn't seen other pictures of other, you know, places, mm-hmm. you know, and just expanding that. I was always curious about what that was,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so for me, it's like that's what I, that's that's what I do, mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, I feel like it's a natural progression. I actually have like my picture of my mother, me, and my mother and my grandmother oh. right here. <laughs> I. Love-
2: yeah 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 that's beautiful
1: um even though my mother is one of seven <laughs> they every single one of her siblings and her will all say that they are my grandmother's favorite, and they say it's because she always made them feel like it. Mm
2: -hmm. She
1: would have a day for each of them where they would go out with her and she'd spend time with them individually, which is not something I think a lot of mothers in the 60s, -hmm. (laughs) you know, black Mm -hmm. working mothers in the 60s were not doing that. But it speaks to my grandmother's compassion and emotional intelligence. She and I are similar. She and I are both cry and get things done people. I tell people, my grandmother is is me, and we both look at my mama sideways, like, who are you? I was afraid of the dark and couldn't watch, you know, couldn't watch things that were too scary because I'd stay up all night. And my mother would be like, What? Why? My mother got her own room. She's not the oldest, but she got her own room because her siblings were afraid of the dark and she just wanted to go to sleep. And she's like, I can't sleep, because they got the lights on. <laughs> So she got her own room. Oh my god! And she'd be like, we'd be we watch like some some show like Twilight Zone or something, and my my sisters would be up all night and they crawl in bed with me because they didn't want to be alone, and then they turn on the lights and I'd be so annoyed. And I was like, I remember screaming at night, Mama, from my room, and she'd be like, Child, what do you want? I saw this commercial for this show, and I don't want to like, and I keep seeing it. She's like, You fine reluctantly let me sleep in bed with her my mother is a whole different breed she's just <laughs> different and so me and my emotional grandmother totally understands oh. like I once had a dream about my grandmother um passing away and I refused to go to sleep until I could talk to my grandmother mm. and it was the middle of the night so my mother was like we are gonna see her tomorrow you and I got we got to my grandmother's house sometime in the afternoon. She told me, she was like, I had the same dream. But in my dream, I was in my 90s. So don't worry about it. And I immediately went to sleep.
2: Mm.
1: And my grandmother's 87. So I was like, listen, <laughs> we're not playing these games, no. Alberta. But um, <laughs> but no, I just, you know, I've been like interviewing her lately and asking and recording the interviews just to...
2: That's good. Um,
1: but she's, she's been telling me that she's been enjoying it, too, because she says it feels good to talk about, to be able to tell us about the past. And I think that's not something that she always felt um, she needed or even wanted to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the past. So, you know, the question asking kids comes in handy. <laughs> it does
0: how you keep that keep those family memories alive and someone has to be the history keeper
1: mm-hmm.
0: someone has to I, hold it
1: mm-hmm. yeah and I feel like it's I feel like it's fallen a little bit on me because I am you know I've been getting pictures restored you know I've been um I've been like finding out names and birthplaces my uncle had a loose genealogy and I've been filling it in with my grandmother and um yeah and I talk to my ancestors you know I talk to them I tell them you know I I thank them for my grandmother I genuinely do because she is a light of my life I tell people she is my favorite person in the world because it's true I tell her that every day she used to say when I first moved to New York um Button up your overcoat. She, no, she said, No, she would say, Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. And it's from the song, Button Up Your Overcoat, um, which I didn't even know until I started studying musical theater. And I was like, It's not from a song. But um, now we say it to each other, you know, mm-hmm. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. That's um, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love Misa some Alberta. Oh. She's amazing. Oh. Listen.
0: I I couldn't ask for more. I am so I am blown away and so appreciative and humbled by everything that you shared. This was this was amazing.
1: This was oh, amazing. Oh, thank you. Yes. I was I'm over there, just over here rambling about my mama and my grandma. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> That's, I love them so much. Let me tell is. you, I genuinely, deeply love them so much. I I have. My mother, my father passed away um, a couple of years ago and my mother. I became very protective of her. I just it, it felt she felt so fragile to me after that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But my mom came and stayed with me. Um, she was, She came out for like a, what was supposed to be a week and it turned into a month hmm. and um, the space I have in my heart for my mother just grew mm-hmm. the way she cared for me but also um, just realizing that our time with each other is limited mm-hmm and how much I love her just knowing that I wanted to share more time with her mm-hmm. and usually when she comes to visit for a long time it gets old <laughs> <laughs> but when I tell you we had never been more peaceful and more in sync something clicked something mm-hmm. clicked if 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 we had gotten to a good place like if if we had gotten already gotten to a good place in my 30s but like two years ago Something just locked into place. Mm. And it was just like, this is where we are. Mm. And I told her, you know, you know, I I remember calling her and being like, you ever need me? I'll move you wherever we will work it out. You'll never be alone. And she, and she was like, don't you ever sacrifice your life to take care of me if you need to put me in a home? And I was like, no, we're gonna figure it out. And we were both like, don't you sacrifice your life for me? No, don't you sacrifice your life for me. <laughs> and we were both just like very concerned about making sure that each of us, that the other one was taken care of fully and not dimming their light or losing out on things mm-hmm. for the other person. <sighs> I love that woman so much. And I you love can hear those. it, I mean you could
0: yes. you could hear it like in everything that you were sharing, like right. it was it was you saying you loved them without saying those words, like everything that you said, the subtext was, and I love
1: them, okay, one more thing, one more yes. thing, so when I was little, there was a um outlet mall called Gurney. Mm-hmm. in gurney in gurney in gurney mills and it was called gurney mills and my mother my grandmother and my grandmother's best friend miss lou would all drive up there and of course i'm an only child with single mother of course i'm coming along and i would sit in the back left corner all the time i can't tell you why i always remember the back left corner of my grandma's buick my mother would be on the right miss lou is in the front seat my grandma's driving And we'd be driving up and the sound of them talking and gospel playing would, I would immediately go to sleep. It was the, I felt so safe, Mm. so safe and secure. Just the, their, those voices talking to each other about Monday and stuff and sales and whatever. And when i started coming home from college i would go to my grandmother's house and my mother would be sitting in the kitchen with my grandmother and i would go to my grandma's room and just lay down and hearing their voices floating in from the kitchen mm. i would go to sleep and i tell people the same way that like soft rain or ocean waves just brings this like or even just like the, a singing bowl just kind of does something to like even you out on the inside. The sound of those women's voices is like that for me. I hear it and immediately everything in my body releases. Everything and oh God, I'm gonna cry now. I was about to say. And so as they get older and I have to deal with the fact that they may not always be there. I try my best to enjoy every moment that I have. There's soothing voices, and I feel that release because we're, we, I just think about the day that my grandmother lost that voice for her. And I know that as my grandmother gets older, my mother has to think about that. And just allowing myself to enjoy that, I get to allow myself to be a child in this world, safe in the womb of their voices for a little bit longer. And in the same way that I feel my beautiful childhood is something that I wanna pay forward, I hope, I don't have kids. I hope to adopt one day or to, you know, parent a child or help a child who needs a home. But um, I really hope that I can be that for some child someday. I really hope that my voice, the sound of my voice, is a singing bowl and an ocean wave and a soft rain to the mind, body and soul of some child in this really chaotic world.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Mother's Gardens. If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Pata.